have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? Um, they look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25000 Hello once again, this is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode 149, proudly presented by the Fantasy Points Media Group. Joining me as always, I have the one and only College of Canyon's very own Major Caldwell, the fourth. How are you doing tonight, Major? Doing good, doing good. Ready to get this show going. Let's get it. And also joining us as always, the PPR Viper herself, the queen of the backpedal, Tara Roberts. How are you doing, Tara? I am uh, I'm doing fantastic. Not backpedaling on anything tonight. That could be you, Matt. We'll see. Uh-oh. First off. I backpedal almost every other day of the week. It doesn't really make a whole heck of a lot of difference. Even I don't know what's about to come out of my mouth from week to week. So we're <laughs> going to get into the show here. we got a great show again. We're going to talk about news and notes, winners and losers from week four. We're also going to hit you with some waivers and some starts and sits for week number five. But let's first hit this infirmary of news and notes, starting with some of the big injuries here right off the get-go. Javante Williams. Everything and anything that you could tear in that knee – LCL, PCL, ACL, ABC, whatever. I think the CL in there. He, he tore it. It is gone. I'm no, I'm no doctor here, but hey, I did spend a good portion of my day today in the Alberta Hip and Knee Clinic. So I, I learned a thing or two from the pictures that they have on the wall, and what he has, it's not good. In fact, it's he may not be ready by week five, week six of next season because of everything that he went through. We may not see Javante Williams that we want to see perhaps until 2024 now because of the the extent of that damage. So that also brings us to some waivers, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. Melvin Gordon and the fumbles, the the pick and the scoop and score, so to speak, that's going on there. The Latavius Murray signing, the Mike Boone era beginning in Denver. So many things we can get there, but what is your original... reaction here to Javante Williams, Tara, and his loss for the season, what it means for this Broncos offense in general. I mean, it's significant. It really is because, I mean, he's the most talented back in that offense. Now, they do have contingency plans, and I would suspect that they're going to lean heavily on Melvin Gordon. Uh, And I I do expect that Mike Boone will be involved. I will say that I'm not fearing Latavius Murray is someone that we need to jump and add on waivers just based off of what we actually saw out of him for an extended period of time last year in uh, Baltimore. So the only thing that I could see him doing is throwing a wrench and everything and kind of bringing down the value slightly for Gordon and Boone. But outside of that, I mean, I think very unfortunate for Javante, but Denver will manage to recover from it. So Major, I want to get inside your head as a former college running back. There was some time through high school or somewhere along the way in which you may have had some issues with ball security. I mean, it goes through the psyche of the running back from time to time. I remember watching the program, and you remember the program oh, where you yeah. had like walk around campus with the ball. I imagine Melvin Gordon right now walking around Denver Broncos camp practice fields with that ball tucked in there, all five points nicely secured, with everyone on that team trying to strip the ball away from him. 
what is going on in Melvin Gordon's mind right now as he heads into week number five? And then I don't know if you caught that press conference, but for me, I, I love the psychology of mankind here. He was somber. He already said he has to be better. He knows what he needs to do. He ha- he says, I know I haven't got the job done, but I want to make sure I'm there for my teammates. Everything I read about his attitude, and then he kind of walked off in the press conference because, you know, it was the same question over and over and over again. I think Melvin Gordon is going to be ready to roll this week. I, maybe it's just a gut feeling here, but I, I think he's he feels that he needs to do this. If Denver has a shot at the playoffs, it's going to be Melvin Gordon hanging on to that ball and help getting his run game going because – if that run game's not going, this offense, it's not good. We saw it disappear there in the second half against the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, the program, I used to walk around school with the ball like that all the time. I never had a fumble issue. Um, that's never really been a thing for me. I think I fumbled my first play of my college career and my last play of my college career as well. But other than that, I was all good. But the number one thing more – important than holding all five points of the ball and all that good stuff it's mental like you have to forget the last play like we teach you that as a football player throughout your from pop warner all the way up to the pros forget the last play and he's a pro he's a pros pro he's been in the league for a while he's going to be fine like i'm i'm trying to pick him up wherever i can if if, if you can get him because he's going to be the man down there and I think right now we're getting some Mike Boone hype here. We're getting some Latavius Murray hype. I think that might drive Melvin Gordon value down a little bit more to where if you want to take a shot at him, if you're believing in him like I am right now, you might be able to get him at below cost because I think in the next couple of weeks we're going to see Melvin Gordon step up. He's not going to be he's not going to be a league winner by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, I'm still not sold on Mike Boone, and I'm still not sold on Latavius Murray. Except if they get near that goal line, I mean, Latavius Murray always seems to have a way of finding his way into the end zone no matter where he's at. Now, Tara, one of the big stories here from the week is the Kenny Pickett area is now beginning there in Pittsburgh. Get ready for Pickett to Pickens going on in Pittsburgh. Say that five times fast. Pickens, Pickens. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm not uh, even no, five no. I can't even speak English properly, <laughs> let alone throw the three P's together in one sentence. So, Tara, what's your instant reaction? Did the, it was it time right now? Like, do you really want to put this rookie in going to Buffalo first first game of the season for him? I mean, you don't want to. Um, you know, from my perspective, I really thought that they were going to give it more towards midseason to get a little bit further deeper into this extremely tough stretch. Because you're right, it's not something that you want to throw a rookie in. And that just kind of tells you how much Mike Tomlin's hand was forced by Mitch Trubisky being absolutely horrendous, giving absolutely nothing that they had to just go ahead and push this through where you don't want to put the rookie in. So, um, no, I don't think they wanted to do it right now, but they kind of had to. And I liked what I saw out of him. Now, granted, you know, if you look at the box score and you didn't watch the game, you would say, oh, God, disaster. But if you watched it, you know, those interceptions, those are not telling of uh, Kenny Pickett actually making any mistakes. They were flukes, things that were not really on him the result of tip balls and Claypool not getting it and Hail Mary and whatnot. So, um, but from what I saw, I love that I saw increased volume out of him. He already had more in his limited time in less than a half than, um, than Mitch Trubisky even averages in a single whole half. So <laughs> from that perspective, I think things will be better, but there's going to be growing pains. You have to temper your expectations on what to expect. 
there will be interceptions. There will be struggles. Um, there will be games where George Pickens has a fantastic game, and then there's some inconsistency. So I'm, I'm in. If George Pickens is on your waiver wire, you need to grab him. This was the this was the switch that we needed to get confidence in Pickens, somebody that can actually air out and get the ball to him. So this is good. It's just gonna be it's gonna be a process. So don't panic or anything as things struggle. Just trust the process. And then Major, just kind of touching on this, what does this mean for Najee Harris? Because two of those touchdowns that Pickett had were rushing touchdowns that did not go to Harris. Yeah, that's the part that's going to suck. But I think he's going to make a four in the passing game. There's going to be so many checkdowns. Uh, a young quarterbacks, like safety blanket, or tight ends, and running backs. So he's going to get a lot of checkdowns, um, but he will get some of those touchdowns, those goal line uh Rush is taken away from him, and that's going to kind of hurt his numbers a bit, but he'll be fine. But, yeah, he's he's actually going to run the ball a little bit more, so it, it'll kind of balance itself out. And then a couple more injuries I want to talk about here. I'll send go Terry here for Jahan Dotson, and then I'll send it over to Major here for Cordero Patterson there. So we know that Dotson, he's going to be out one to two weeks with that hamstring. Soft tissue, it is one to two weeks, quote, unquote. Those injuries, they tend to – maybe last a little bit longer than we care to admit <clears throat> Keenan Allen. So when we look at this, what can we expect from this Washington Commanders team? Because they actually have a pretty decent matchup here against the Tennessee Titans this week in which I'm, <laughs> I lost Dak Prescott. I've been floating between Geno Smith and Carson Wentz streaming since week number one. So I'm going with Carson Wentz here this week in that situation, <laughs> minus Jahan Dotson. So what's this mean for this commander's offense? Uh, I mean, you know, it just lessens the target pool. I think the guys, obviously, Curtis Samuel has a stronghold on there in the majority of targets. But I think this does help out um, potentially Terry McLaurin. And then the other person that I also think it helps in terms of a guy that needs to see volume is Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas's value has never been in mass production, like say at Dawson Knox of last year. It's been in volume of targets and presence on the field, and that increase can help him out. We're seeing his snap count increase um, as he's, you know, coming back and easing back into action off of another significant injury. We see that a lot with these guys. So um, I think it's a good thing for the receivers to have, you know, a little bit of extra targets and especially touchdown equity go their way because Jahan Dotson was kind of stealing a lot of those right there. Mm-hmm. Um, sucks a little bit for Carson Wentz, but you know, losing such a dynamic target as well. But overall, I think the offense will still still gel as it should. Yeah, John Dotson, four uh red zone looks there, four red zone touchdowns on the season. Now, major over to Cordell Patterson there. Man, he was out there, he was balling, he was getting the work done there as a guy that we were grabbing late in drafts right now, plugging him in as an RB2, giving us RB1 type production. So we know he's on the IR, had a little bit of a procedure done to his knee. We're going to be without him for the next four weeks. So how does this backfield shape up? I mean, a lot of people are jumping at Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley. Well, let's not forget that Damian Williams, he's eligible to return from the uh, from his IR stint next week. So are we rushing out here right now? Who's the back to own here as far as Atlanta running backs are concerned now that Cordell Patterson is going to be missing some time? And further to that, are we going to see Kyle Pitts maybe get more involved in this offense? Is Arthur Smith going to go that route? At this point, I think they do not like Pitts. I think they hate Pitts. I think they regret drafting him. For some reason, they do not want to get him the ball. It makes no sense, but hey, um, it is what it is. But the backfield, I'm really not rushing to pick up anyone. I'll talk about one of the guys later on in this uh, in this show. But um, I think it's going to be a running back by committee. Um, each week is going to be kind of up and down, whoever you choose out of that backfield. So I would... uh. 
I will kind of steer clear unless you're in a deep league or something. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I got Damian Williams in there because he should have been a former Super Bowl MVP. That's why we should be mentioning him on every single show. Now, with that all said, if you want more kinds of information here, you got to head over to fantasypoints.com. Use promo code 22VIPERS10. Get 10% off that subscription today from DFS to college football to your regular everyday fantasy football information. It's all there in that one-stop shop for all those fantasy football needs. Now, you, that's how you become a winner in fantasy football. So we're going to talk about some of our winners and losers from week number four. Major, who's your winner? Who's your loser? Let's get at it. My winner is Mike Evans. I told you guys last week that Brady needed to take care of Evans after he beat up a couple guys for him and got suspended for a game, and that he did. Like, you know, Brady looked out for his man, got the ball to him, eight receptions, 103 yards, two TDs, 10 targets. Like, he was throwing the ball to Evans. He was making up for my man getting suspended for knocking people out for him. So shout outs to Mike Evans and, and Brady for being, you know, stand up guy. I was hoping that he did it. Cause I, I, I really always trying to find a way to like, not like Brady. This made me like him just a little bit because he looked out for the men who looked out for him. And then for my losers, I'm my loser. I'm going to go with James Robinson. He's been having a pretty good season. Matt's been talking all this stuff about him being a man that the best Achilles comeback guy i don't know what kind of award he tried to give him but matt tried to make something up for him but um you know he's been balling but you know last week it wasn't so good he only had 29 rushing yards zero receiving yards and didn't score a touchdown for the first time all season so um yeah james robinson i don't know what happened out there uh i don't know if it was game flow or whatever but it just didn't look right and hopefully he gets back on track because i do like him but this week gotta get one of these bro <laughs> top 10 running back week cover james robinson in week number five book it now now Tara, oh wait, you're booking it now you're gonna he's definitely one of my must start running backs this week we'll get into that in a little bit later now tara who are your winners and losers from week number one or week number four sorry Oh, Matt, I have a question. Yes. Who is the RB3 in PPR right now? The RB3 in PPR right now? We're talking about PPR. Are we really going to talk about PPR? We will always talk about PPR. It's Miles Sanders. (laughs) It's not Miles Sanders. It's Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler. (laughs) (laughs) We are. I was just trying to go any route possible. Not right. to bring up his name on today's show, but we know darn well he was going to come up. You know what? Hey, congratulations. Major <laughs> Major's piling on James Robinson. Well, you didn't score a touchdown this week. Shame on you. You've only scored a touchdown 75% of your games. And then Tara's going, hey, Austin Eckler, he's got one good game. He's only played good That's 25% of the games. One good game. He Matt just can't be wrong. It's just... so weird that he can't be wrong. He's just a baby. Go ahead. Matt's got oh, the stranger standards for one good game, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll talk about it because I got to speak. It was one heck of a good game. Let's go there. It was one heck of a good game. One heck then of again, a good game. Yeah, it was one heck of a good game. Hey, uh, man, not just, you know, PPR, Houston, Texas. You know, the sun was, you know, it was very nice weather. Da, 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 you know, all of the reasons. It was good enough weather. It was ugly weather. It was too good of weather. It was Football grouch. <laughs> All the reasons to I will find a narrative to suit what I want to talk about here. Exactly. I will find a narrative that proves me correct. Anything yeah. to discredit my man, Austin Eckler. Again, reminder, I'm an Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler stan account. So welcome to the Austin Eckler stan show. 
Austin Eckler, friend of the fantasy football community. I think he maybe watches this show. I think he might be a fan because I think that he heard all of the Austin Eckler slander that Matt just, you know, laid in last week. And I think he took that personally because mm-hmm. as Matt mentioned, he came out and had a monster of a game. His high ceiling game that we so love about Austin Eckler, 13 carries, 60 yards, 4.62 yards per carry. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because Matt is very sensitive to yards per carry. That is a little more than his average yards per carry in 2021. So we're tracking pretty good right now. Two touchdowns on the ground, six receptions on seven targets, 49 yards, and a touchdown through the air. <sighs> yes. It's Austin Eckler's season. I love it. And again, Again, Matt likes to say, you know, hey, he was bad before this. You know, we saw you saw three bad games for him. Yeah, we saw three bad games from the Chargers. And in those bad games, Austin Eckler still managed to put up a solid floor. I don't know what Matt's complaint is that we are seeing a guy with an incredibly solid floor in bad situations. We saw this week, his upside week. Now let's talk about, you know, Matt, I just want to make some running back comparisons real quick, just to solidify how much of a winner that Austin Eckler is. This week, Dalvin Cook's worst game of the season, eight fantasy points in PPR. Mm. Joe Mixon, worst game of the season, seven fantasy points. Mm. Eric Henry, worst game of the season, seven fantasy points. Mm. I don't want to hear any more Austin Eckler slander anymore because his worst game of the season is still double digit fantasy points. What's the problem? What's the problem? We love Austin Eckler. I love him. 0.1 yards per carry is still the problem. As a running back, you need to be be able to run the ball. Playing against the Houston Texans does not count for having a breakout game, which, by the way, is who James Robinson, the Jaguars, is playing this week. That's why he's in my starts and sits. Now, Mm -hmm. give the devil his due here, Austin Eckler. Three touchdowns. I don't care who you're playing. It is still impressive. So I will give him a little bit of applause. We're glad to see him get rolling there. Hopefully it continues. He's been rolling. (laughs) I got no problem being proven wrong from time to time. But still, at the end of the day, you have to be able to run the ball as a running back. I mean, that is what your job is to do. He's doing it. He did. He got it done. Better than Joe Mixon, that's for sure. Mm. 4.6 yards Mm. per carry, I think, (laughs) against the Texans last week. So he got it right. Looked good. He he did. He did look like the old self there. But still, I'm not buying you yet. Low mileage. Uh, (laughs) So let's talk about my loser of the week, which will never be Austin Eckler. My loser of the week is uh, the L.A. Rams as a whole. Boy, Mm. that is a big losing team, with the exception of Cooper Cup, who apparently is just the most safest player that ever existed in fantasy football because he had a fantastic game. No matter how awful his team does as a whole, no matter how awful Matt Stafford is, it's amazing that Matt Stafford can be terrible and Cooper Cup can still have these monstrous, fantastic games. Like there was nothing wrong in the game. Cooper Cup was Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford, 32 completions, 32 completions, and yet not a single touchdown. Interception. He also fumbled, and he just looked like a complete mess. The offense looked like a mess as a whole. Cam Akers somehow managed to go back to the RB2. We don't understand what's going on here. He only played on 38% of snaps compared to 59% of snaps for Daryl Henderson. Kind of crazy. It's flopping back and forth. Again, this is looking like a committee on a game script situation. He had eight carries for 11 yards. That's less than two yards per carry. I know that Matt wants me to point that out so I can you know, explain the yards per carry for the bad running backs. One target, no reception. Uh, yeah, this is just not looking good. And then on top of that, Allen Robinson as well, two receptions for seven yards. This this team is a mess. 
they were the big losers of the week. You, you just don't feel comfortable starting any of them, obviously, outside of Cooper Cup. I don't know if I got the numbers. I don't know if I got the numbers right in front of me, but I think Cooper Cup has something like 42 receptions, and Justin Fields is like 34 completions Wait. through four weeks. I mean, I mean, they force him. they're like forcing the ball to him. It's like every yeah. play. It, it, it's bad. It's kind of. I yet, think that's where they're losing because they're just trying to pad his numbers. Yeah. And yet <laughs> nobody can stop it. I mean, no one's able to stop Cooper Cup, and then Tyler Higby's getting in. I mean, it's like the Breakfast Club. They're all sitting at the cool kids table, and then Allen Robinson starts walking by. There's like GI Joe lunch kit, and they're like. <laughs> gives one of these like off a of Friday and they like scatters off. Now I'm my winner this week. And I'm going to lump every, a bunch of these guys together here before I go to my main winner here. And oh the winner God. this week is <laughs> the running back dead zone. It really is this week. You look at all those running backs <laughs> that were drafted in the dreaded dead zone there. Josh Jacobs, 34 fantasy points. Miles Sanders, he was third last week in fantasy points with 29.6. Rashad Penny, 28.7. Damian Pierce, 25.9. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 22.4. J.K. Dobbins, 22.3. What's it all mean? Hey, I'm going to get there. You don't want to means that auto drafters are killing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Six of week four's top 10 running backs came out of the running back dead zone. So, you know, we always make fun of those running backs. Hey, I'm one of them too. Talk about that running back dead zone there. But how about Josh Jacobs? After starting the season 0-3, Jacobs ran wild on the Broncos there for 144 yards, which was a career high, two touchdowns on 28 carries. This running back, he loves playing the Broncos. Sunday marked his third 100-yard rushing game against Denver. And it's the only team that he has multiple 100-yard rushing games against in his career. So my big winner for week number four was Josh Jacobs with honorable mention to that running back dead zone in which he led the charge for. Now my biggest loser in week number four are West Coast fantasy football fans, especially those who had Alvin Kamara still in their lineup. I don't care if you didn't get the news or whatever. Hey, my, my biological clock, it starts ticking at about 5.30 every morning. So I'm good to go. I got no problem. I got up, checked my alarm. I was like, oh, crap, Alvin Kamara's in there. You better get him out of there. Got shocked by the news. Hey, if you want to win your fantasy leagues, you need to stay on top of this kind of stuff. You need to make sure, hey, we know we got a game on the West Coast at 6 a.m. Major, 6 a.m., right, for you? Yeah. You know you got a game at 6 a.m. going on in London. You need to get up and check that active roster. You need to see who's getting in there (laughs) or play it safe. If you want to sleep in, you know, we, you know, we can't trust beat writers in new Orleans. I've already gone off on these guys already once or twice about leaving, not mentioning Alvin Kamara's rib injury there after week number one, you know, something's not quite right. Pull them out of there get someone in there that you trust. I use Rashad white by Peter Locke. Let's be honest. Cause he was the last guy I made. I made a bad mistake. I put chase Edmonds in my flex. I didn't move him into my RB two spot which would have gave me a little bit more flex there on the back end. So, by the way, Thursday night football players need to be in your starting lineup, not in your flex if you're going that route. Trust me, don't make that mistake because it got ugly. Luckily, Rashad White did pay off for me. But that's it. Biggest losers, West Coast fantasy football fans, especially those that are complaining about the last second inactiveness of Elvin Kamara. I think I got some support on this one. I think probably not, but who knows? I don't really care. Now, let's get into... The Thursday night football preview here. We've got the Indianapolis Colts. We've got the Denver Broncos. We just saw Denver and Indianapolis both potentially lose their top running backs ahead of this contest. So for me, I'm watching this game, 
Which team is going to rebound? Is Jonathan Taylor, I can't see him playing this game right now. He's got a bit of a lower ankle injury. It was a high ankle. Then it went to a lower. Then we don't know. Now it's a mild turf toe thrown in there as well. Look, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to play. It sounds like he wants to play. But you know what? I don't think you could put him in your lineup. I really don't. I think that injury plus that turf toe, that turf toe is probably the bigger injury for me than the, even the lower ankle injury right now, especially his ability to cut back. And you know what? He hasn't been very good. And this is nothing new. This is Jonathan Taylor weeks one through four. We get this every single season since his rookie year. Back in 2020, he was the RB16 through four weeks. He finished as the RB6. In 2021, their last season, he was the RB, I think, 22 or something like, no, RB20, and he ended up being the RB1 was all said and done. Right now, he's RB22. Will he climb the ladder? I don't know because this ankle injury, this toe injury, combined with that ineffectiveness so far through four weeks, is a bit of a flag for me. I think he's still going to be a top 12 running back when it's all said and done. Don't get me wrong. But I think this week you can't play him there. And then we know the Denver Broncos situation there with Javante Williams missing time and what that's going to mean. I want to believe it's going to be Melvin Gordon is that lead back. But, hey, what do I know? Now, Major, you're the guy behind the props. you got the major props going on to week number five here for this Thursday night football game. What are you looking at in this contest? Yeah, I'm looking at – Two players. I'm going two receivers. I'm going with Alec Pierce, higher than 34 and a half receiving yards. Um, in the last two games he played, he's averaging 70.5 receiving yards per game on 11 targets. Um, the Broncos have the fifth ranked pass defense, only giving up 170 yards per game. But they will have to kind of focus on the Colts' number one wide receiver, Michael Pittman. So I think he'll kind of slide under the radar and go ahead and, and get those yards very easily. He's, he's being uh, targeted at a, a nice clip when he's in the game. And then for my second one here, I'm going Jared, uh, uh, Jerry Judy, lower than 50.5 receiving yards. The first time Judy has beat this mark was last week when he uh, had 53 yards versus uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, but on the season, Judy is, is averaging – only 27 receiving yards per game. Um, the Colts have a top 10 pass defense, and Russ is still trying to find his way in that new offense. It still doesn't like it's clicking. So uh, Judy, to me, seems like he's the one that's being kind of X'd out there in that offense, but hopefully he can get it together. But this week, I'm going lower than 50 and a half receiving yards. Well, here's Judy's problem. If you're going to make fun of short people, you better back that up. I mean, you, you can make fun of short people. I got no problem making fun of short people. I do it all the time on this show. But that being said, you better back it up because Amic Robertson, you you lit a fire under him when you gave him the old little this kind of <laughs> comment there because then after that, he was just all over you like, White on rice, man. This the kid came out to play, and you know he's got some dog in him. Now, Terry, I want to ask you a prop here as we head into this contest. Over under on 15 yards receiving for Paris Campbell. Mm, under. <laughs> All right, Terry's not doing the props thing, but I just had to make sure I threw that out there just to see uh, Major's uh, reaction. On Anything that. over uh... for, for for my guy there, Paris Campbell. He's, <laughs> he's still working his way back, but he's going to be that man sooner than you think. Hey, you I know, just you know, thing, want him to work his way back and, you know, stay back. You know, that'd be, be good. Not even hey, the, only, the only over that uh, Paris Campbell is hitting is the over and out when it comes to this game. Now, <laughs> uh, Tara, give us a little bit of Thursday Night Football here. Give us a little bit of a preview for, uh, from your end of things there from DFS. Yeah, for DFS, I mean, I think you got to think about uh, game script here. You know, Major mentioned the defenses. You know, Denver isn't extremely – they're both, you know, strong defenses. Unfortunately, um, Indianapolis is <laughs> – 
oh, plagued with the injury bug there with Shaq Leonard that just can't seem to just everything seems to hit him in the wildest way. But um, Denver is an extremely strong defensive unit um, with some offensive question marks that we, you know, see in terms of the injuries that they're suffering. Um, Russell Wilson, he finally getting to into a decent rhythm last week, but struggling a lot. Um, but again, even though Russ did come through, they only scored 23 points last week. And you would think against the Raiders, they would have scored a little bit more than that. Not a ton, but just a little bit more than that. So I feel like they didn't really meet expectations. Um, Indianapolis, again, not living up to their preseason expectations, but you know they've been fine on defense. They've been average, not extremely dreadful. So when you think about that and two defenses that should hold up against the opposing offenses that have had some struggles, you got to think about the game script and the fact that this game has an over under a 43 and a half, which I think might be even a little bit generous. This is the type of game where you want to play both defenses in your DFS lineup. That will be a pretty solid move for you. Um, we do have some decent value options. Obviously, Naeem Hines is priced down for the fact that, you know, considering that he may be the one that's actually carrying the majority of the workload, if more than likely um, Jonathan Taylor can't go. And then on top of that, you've also got some interesting options to go with in terms of tight ends, because, you know, if there's something that Denver kind of has a weakness in on terms in terms of their defense, it is against tight ends. We could look to Mo Alleycox, who is coming off of a big game, um, and you don't want to kind of piggyback on that. But the thing about him is, is that he is the one with the most consistent snap count. He is the leader in the snap count, the most present tight end on the field. So he should be the one that we try to target unless we get any kind of news uh, leading up to the game that it would go another direction, but he's the one that we want to target to get in there as a low value tight end. Obviously you've got Michael Pittman Jr. Who is the most expensive option on the slate. So that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in things. You can get there. He's expensive. He's not overly expensive, but you just got to keep that in mind on Denver's side as well. You probably want to focus on Russell Wilson and Melvin Gordon, who is not extremely high priced considering the fact that more than likely he is going to be the lead running back as well. So you've got two lead running back situations that are well-priced. You can work those into your lineup. And then um, Major did talk about the under on Jerry Judy, but he is the cheaper option and he is going to be the less owned option between Michael Pittman Jr. and Cortland Sutton, obviously. So if there's anyone that's wanting to get different, you can go that direction. If he did have a game where he manages to have a big breakoff play and a touchdown, you would get a lot of high upside in terms of differentiating yourself from other people's rosters. So that's the direction that I would head in DFS. It's going to be interesting. There's some playable options and you should be able to differentiate yourself in this game. Yeah, if you're looking for more information, more of a breakdown of this game, just make sure to tune into our YouTube channel because I've already talked about this Denver Broncos versus Indianapolis Colts there. I've given it about a 14-minute video there, uh, all the way down through all the players there. And the one fact I thought was kind of funny there is we're talking about Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson as quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's been sacked three times per game so far this season. Well, Matt Ryan's been sacked 15 times already this year. If you go back to 2020, Philip Rivers was only sacked like 19 times for the entire season. So I know we're going to give Matt Ryan a little bit of crap for what he's been able to do so far or what he's not been able to do, but that offensive line there in Indianapolis hasn't done its job either. Then again, when you've thrown as many picks as you have touchdowns five for Matt Ryan and you fumbled the ball nine times, that's probably not a good uh, encouraging situation for this offense to be in. So I'll leave it at that. Go check out that video there. Major always gives me crap because I don't talk enough about 
the content that I put out there, the separately exactly. there, but it's on the video. Go check it out. It's about 14 minutes. Give it a thumbs up. Hit that like button. Do all that fun stuff. Check it out. Get in the comments. Let us know who you got. Are you going with the Denver Broncos this week? Are you going for the Indianapolis Colts? Well, hey, maybe here's a better question for you. DFS style, are you going with Cortland Sutton? Are you going with Michael Pittman this week? We're going to break this all down right now as Cortland Sutton is going to be defended by the PP. Oh, sorry, the Major Caldwell here. Well, because we all know the major don't like his USC guy there, Michael Pittman. We've got video evidence of that through multiple shows. So Tara, she's going to take the side of Michael Pittman in this contest. So let's ring that bell. Let's get this one going. We got a true heavyweight battle here. <laughs> well, let's, let's be honest. It's, it's basically a number one contender's belt because the champ is right here in the middle. Were you right last week though? No, because my my quarterback got injured. No, so but there's no, no, but but no, but <laughs> but, 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 but but it's null and void. But but I think that first oh, half, regardless, I think I won. So now, like yeah, so like what's going on? this this one v one is brought to you by the Fantasy Points Media Group. Head over to fantasypoints.com today. Enter to promo code twenty two five percent and save ten percent off that subscription. Major, you're now on the clock. Yeah, so I got to go with my man Sutton. He's like the only viable option on this offense. He is uh, just outside the top 10 on the receivers. Um, he's the only one that Russ really targets. He has 35 targets on the season. Um, he has uh, what we have here. I think my numbers got messed up here. So I think I'm going to say it was 25 receptions, 343 yards, and one TD. He's averaging 14.29 yards per catch so every time you catch the ball he's getting a first down so that's why he's the man um um i see some assists here you know Sutton has has seen at least 29 percent target share in each of the last three contests while finishing inside the top 20 for fantasy in each of those weeks um what else i <laughs> this is the worst i hate this debate stuff. Um, yeah, you know what i mean i've been doing research and i got researchers on my team as well <laughs> And, and, and Patrick Sertan, like, you got to respect that kid, you know, and he's going to be following Pittman around that field. And it's going to be very hard for him to get away from him. You know, he's held people. Uh, he had Devontae Adams last week to eight targets. So, and we all know that um, Michael Pittman is no Devontae Adams. So I'm just going to leave it there for you. Drop the mic on you because I don't think you have a chance at all. <sighs> well, I, I will. I do like the point that you brought up about Patrick Sertay there because he has erased number one receivers all season long. There, he has many passes defended and broken up as he yielded. I think it was something like a sixty-seven point one four passer rating against him last week. So Sertay has definitely done a job. Dudes that are six foot four or six foot two, two hundred twenty mm. pounds, they're not supposed to move the way that Sertay does. I mean, that's just not fair. I mean, I love everything I watch about this kid when he's out there. He is physical, and I love it. Now, Tara, the rebuttal for Michael Pittman is in your court. Ah, why did you jump in and you got to, like, you know, co-sign? I'm debating two people. Um, I mean, those were good statistics, but the problem is, according to Major, Michael Pittman Jr. is not the true number one receiver. So I said at even the beginning of the him? show. I said he was at the beginning of the show. Thank you very much. I don't know. We got video evidence. <laughs> I think you're, you know, backpedaling Matt style here. So. Side, sideways. <laughs> But, uh, but, but, you know, to defend my Michael Pittman stance, um, this is obviously going to be a tough matchup. We have talked about the defenses here. Even despite injuries, both the Broncos and the Colts are top 
five in the least fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I think what this ultimately boils down to is who is the clear alpha on their team? The clear alpha on their team is Michael Pittman. Despite missing one game, he still has nine more targets than the next closest receiver who isn't even actually a receiver. It's Naeem Hines. So (laughs) when you consider that Naeem Hines is going to obviously have increased workload on the ground this week, he will likely relinquish some of that pass work. And that is going to go to the Colts leading number one receiver, Michael Pittman. We've seen that Michael Pittman Jr. has to be active and present to help carry this team along. Matt Ryan is a complete mess without him. The connection there is real. On the other side, Sutton has to deal with Jerry Judy, and we can knock it all we want in terms of Jerry Judy, but he is a true 1B in that situation. So when you look at them, there's not that big of a separation. There's competition that Sutton has to deal with, so more than likely the person that would come out on top here logically has to be Michael Pittman Jr. because there's no one to compete with him in terms of passes. It's easy for Michael Pittman Jr. to have a massive game. I'm talking a nine reception on 13 targets for 121 yards and one touchdown game because that was his week one game. It's happened. It's easy for him to get it because there's no one who can even contend with him. Pittman has the ability to have a 25 plus fantasy point game pretty easily. Sutton doesn't really have that upside. He hasn't done it. I don't think he can. And the capability to do it is way too difficult with Jerry Judy lurking around the corner every single time. The guy that's there for those big, massive plays. You know, we talked about Jonathan. Well, I mean, I just said that Cortland Sutton hasn't hit 20 fantasy points all year, so he hasn't done it either. So one of them's got to figure it out. Michael Pittman doesn't have to figure it out. He already did it, though. Um, But Jonathan (laughs) Taylor, (laughs) he's unlikely to play, as I mentioned. And while Naeem Hines is fun. There is just no way that he can fill the shoes of Jonathan Taylor, even at his worst, unfortunately. So the Colts are going to have to aggressively rely on their pass game to help carry them through with the unquestioned wide receiver one of this team, Michael Pittman Jr. First off, I want to get that bull leak on there because nine catches on 13 targets. That's bull, Tara. That's bull. That's what he did. I'm not saying that's not a prediction. I mean, like, oh, no, no, what you no did that's his week, week one stat line. I'm what saying, like, did, he, he's already hit that. That's easy. What you that's did in done. the past is not what you're going to do in the future, especially with like the best. That was, but, that was, but that was like Matt's whole argument for the guys last week. So, why come Matt can use it? I can't. Matt, <laughs> Matt was wrong. You're wrong. Is it, like it adds up. Like that's how it works. I, I was defending so. about not going to the past for stats. I, I was one saying you can't go to last year's numbers when you got this year's numbers. I didn't in front go to last year's numbers. Can we, this is right? This was like this. Can like, we just game stop for one, one second here? Game right one now? to find something. Can we just oh, stop right that now? Was, that was like a real breath. stat line. Okay, nine so nine receptions, can I, can I bring thirteen up? targets, hundred twenty-one yards, one touchdown. That's a real stat line so from this two, year, right week here. Two, yeah. Week two, my guy Sutton, seven receptions, hundred twenty-two yards. What are we talking about here? No touchdown. He didn't reach twenty points. Oh my god, petty. Yeah, it's one so, of the like you gotta have something, put it all together, put it all together. Unfortunately, was that the week that Jerry Judy had the touchdown? The touch it, like there's just I'm just you know, it's too much competition. There's just not that competition for Michael Pittman Jr. It's not a knock. I like Cortland Sutton. I, I like him a lot. I told you about Alex um, Pierce. Alec, who who? No. Uh, <laughs> you you we'll, we'll find these out. These are all week. like these are Alec Pierce has like 16 targets on the season. I'm not threatened by that. And he's <laughs> averaging like 14 yards a carry, um, 14 yards a catch. Like he's the, he's the man out there. That's good average, but you got to catch it. You got to get some targets. 
Can we talk about the real big deal right now? Because I'm looking at this screen right now, and you know what? For those who are just listening to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you're really missing out because I'm not going to lie. This may be coming off a little bit humble and whatnot, but no, it's not going to be humble at all. I look pretty darn good today. Look at this camera. Like I got some color and everything. I look good this week. <laughs> Who this man? Yeah, I kind of wanted to keep that screen up there because hey, that's probably the you best wanted the debate to go season. longer. <laughs> you did get the lighting right though, Matt. I do give you some love because you're you yeah, you're not all blown out. You know, it's like the light color. It's a it's the light shirt. We, we talked it about is. this last See, week. I told you, makes a difference. We we had to we had to put my Johnny Cash attire away and my all black look and go with the nice little gray here and support their boys there from the the College of Canton crew there. But uh, let's keep on keep the show rolling here because we are going to go on to week number four. Give you some waivers. We're going to skip the explain yourself kind of part because we're already at about forty minutes into the show here, and we got some waivers that we need to go because people want to hear these waivers. They're coming at you fast and fierce. We had running back injuries galore. Now there's some obvious ones out there. If the guys like Romeo Dobbs, if he's out there on there, if George Pickens, if he's out there on the waivers, these guys are priority one waiver claims. We want to go a little bit deeper here than those guys. So, Major, give us two waiver claims here that you're looking at here for week number five. You know I got to show love to the running backs, man. I got to get these deep leagues, all my 16-team leagues and all that good stuff. Listen up. Caleb Huntley. You got to pick him up with uh, Cordell Patterson going on IR. Huntley entered the game, performed very well. He had 10 carries for 56 yards. But the stat that stood out to me the most was Huntley split the carries with Tyler. Always Algier, always messes the last name up. Um, But, yeah, they had a 50-50 share. So that's something to keep your eye on, and I think that's a good sign for Caleb. And to me, he looked like he had just a little more wiggled in Tyler. Like Tyler is a more straight-edge runner. And I think Huntley uh, can get out there and do some things that he can't. So keep an eye on him. Pick him up if you can. And then my second one, you know, in deep leagues, let's grab an Odie Bagoody. Let's get Mr. Latavius Murray. I don't know why I just stopped on his name. (laughs) Mr. Latavius Murray. Uh, Last week, he he had a good outing. He went uh, versus Minnesota. He had 11 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. But somehow he ended up on, uh, on the Saints practice squad and he got snatched up by Denver to help lessen the blow uh, from losing a young talent running back, uh, Javante Williams. So uh, Murray showed us last week he got a little juice left. So, you know, don't count him out all the way. And I think they do like having like a committee type of backfield, at least a two-man committee back there. So I'm not a big fan of Boone. So look look for uh, Mr. Murray to, to make some noise out there. Speaking of making some noise here, I think Tara waits for you to put your waiver claims in just so she can troll you with hers. Tara, who do you got on your waiver watch? No, it's not even a troll because I I would advocate for picking up Huntley. I will advocate for picking up uh, Tyler Algier first. And if you do not get him, I would get Huntley. Um, I am on the side that I am not highly concerned about Damian Williams because ultimately, um, you know, and unfortunately kind of (laughs) similar to Latavius Murray, these older running backs, you know, you got to give the priority to the younger guys with with the more natural juice that's going to last more long term. We look at Cordell Patterson, and the reason why I do want to invest in um, Tyler Algier or even Caleb Huntley is that Cordell Patterson is coming off IR at some point. We don't know exactly when. We like to say, oh, you know, four weeks. There's no guarantee that he will come off when that four weeks is up, Mm -hmm. and there's no guarantee what he will actually come back as because the problem is, is that if you look back at last year, Cordero Patterson was fantastic until he got that injury. 
And then old bodies have a little bit harder time healing and coming back once that injury happened. He just wasn't the same Cordero Patterson after that. And unfortunately, that could be something that we see again. So you want to invest in these younger guys. You don't have to do it aggressively. Um, you don't have to go in and put 50% of your cab unless it's like a highly desperate, deep league situation. I can understand that. But this Falcons team is going to run the ball. There is going to be volume for the active running backs in this offense because they do not trust Marcus Mariota throwing the ball. He is throwing for extremely low volume, and they're clearly frustrated with him. So to that extent, you know, there's going to be long-term value regardless of what happens with Cordero Patterson with these running backs. So that's why the priority for me is Tyler Algier. He's been the one that's been active. Caleb Huntley did look good. Um, but Tyler Algier has been the one that has been active throughout the entire season. My deeper stash, um, <clears throat> wanted to give someone a little bit deep that people might not be thinking about. This might not be a massive long-term thing, although he does have the opportunity to step up possibly in the third receiver role with Jamison Crowder, unfortunately out for the season, but particularly this week right here, if you are in a deep league, a 14, 16 team league, and you're looking for somebody to plug into a flex spot to take a chance and help get you by if you're suffering with injuries, look at Khalil Shakur. The thing about him is that he's going to have the chance to step in immediately into the slot role because of A, Jamison Crowder, and B, Isaiah McKenzie left the game with a concussion. So he's in concussion protocol, and it's possible that he comes out of it, but we're seeing these teams, they look a little bit more cautious right now, right after this Tua situation. So it's very possible that he doesn't play this week. And if he doesn't, it's a massive opportunity for Shaker to sit there and be that slot guy for Josh Allen. There are worse things that you can do than plug in somebody who is going to be the slot receiver for Josh Allen. So it's a deep league shot. See how that pay plays out. I do think Isaiah McKenzie, when he comes back, obviously is going to have the clear priority of this guy. So this is more of a one week situation and maybe hold longer term in deep leagues to see if he can step into that number three role. And shout out real quick to my guy, Derek uh hawk hawk which that's that's his uh but he's in come of my fantasy leagues and and he's the agent of of secure so let's let's get it yes and i like how uh tara kind of mentioned uh, shakir there because i think this is now the time to start attacking rookie wide receivers in your waiver wire george pickens we mentioned him he's just getting going you should have already had him already but i mean i get it i mean the whole situation in pittsburgh was a mess there up until last week so what that means is not only is Shakir a guy you're going to be targeting, but a guy like Wandell Robinson there who looks like he's going to be coming back off of injury here either this week or next week. Everything else in New York, there's no other receivers left. And the ones that they do have aren't very good. Kenny Galladay, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, he's already faking an injury right now anyway. But, I mean, there's no wide receivers in New York. So when Wandell Robinson comes, he's ready to go. Sky Moore is another one of those wide receivers right now. Everyone wants to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. I remember – Popping off beginning of the season, week one, week two, week three. Juju mm. Smith-Schuster's wide receiver 47 in PPR. I don't even want to know what he is in standard leagues. I mean, if he's averaging 9.9 fantasy points per game in PPR, it's not going to be good. I, I told everyone, stay away from him. And this is opening that door for Sky Moore once this kid starts getting going. I mean, it's wide open. Outside of Travis Kelsey, there's been no reliable targets in Kansas City right now. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's got a little bit here and there. But, I mean, talk, we're talking about a wide receiver, 47, behind guys like Noah Brown, behind guys like Zay Jones. I mean, no disrespect to Zay Jones. I love Zay Jones. Greg Dorch. I mean, Romeo Dobbs. These guys are all ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster that a lot of people were quite high on. In fact, some people had Juju Smith-Schuster as a top 12, 
top 15 wide receiver in PPR ahead of the season. That, that was just foolishness. Now, Sky Moore, get ready. I think he's going to take off here now that we're past that quarter mark of the season. So mm. those are a couple of guys I'm looking at as far as wide receivers, attacking those wide receivers, those rookie wide receivers in the second half. And then the guy I want to talk about here, I mean, I want Brian Robinson to do well more than probably any other player in the league right now, even if it is at the expense of Antonio Gibson, another guy I really love. I love the fact that Brian Robinson is coming back from what he's coming back from, which could have been a lot worse than what it was. And I think he's going to go out there and absolutely dominate those early down touches there for the Washington Commanders. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but this is what my hope is for him because of everything that he's persevered through for the first half of the season. We know what Washington Commanders thought of him in the um, preseason there. We were talking about this as if Antonio Gibson wasn't even going to get the ball anymore. That's how hyped we were on Brian Robinson. He's now officially going to be activated probably later this week from that IR, which means back in practices, back in playing. I mean, we've watched those training camp videos, those uh, practice videos there. His footwork looks good. I mean, I watched him in Alabama. The guy's been waiting for his time. He's a fighter. He's fought his whole career through his, his collegiate career. I'm expecting him to do much the same here in the NFL here now that he's getting an opportunity here in week number five, week number six, whatever that looks like. Plus, we're talking about guys like Caleb Huntley, Latavius Murray, Tyler Algier. I mean, Brian Robinson, I, I, in my opinion, is just as good, if not better, than all those backs that we just kind of talked about here as far as that, especially when it comes to upside. Now, let's get to these starts and sits for week number five here because we got a lot to cover here in a short period of time. Major, let's talk about some quarterbacks you're starting and a quarterback you're sitting in this week. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. He's playing against Baltimore. Burrow's heating up, throwing five TDs in the last two games. He has a favorable matchup against the worst pass defense in Baltimore with two top 15 receivers in Chase and Higgins. Uh, Joe will have a field day against a defense that's given up 315 yards per game. So look for Joe to like heat up and have a fantastic week. And for my sit, oh, this one hurts me because this dude's been like balling. But Geno Smith, Mr. Smith is having that ninth year breakout that we all love. Uh, Geno's thrown <laughs> for 300 plus passing yards uh, and two touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, but he's facing the Saints defense as top 10. And the Saints always find a way to kind of clamp people down when they're having a good week. So look, look for Geno to, to take a you know, come back to earth just a little bit, and then he can get back on track next week. But this week, I'm not going with Gino. Just a couple of quick points there. Joe Burrow, the only thing that's going to slow down, it seems the only thing that the secondary for the Ravens is able to get slowed down is if the weather comes into play. Because, I mean, (laughs) if it wasn't for that bad weather against Buffalo, I mean, I don't know how, what these numbers would look like right now as far as, I mean, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, they did not have good weeks last week. I think the weather definitely played a factor in all that. And for Gino Smith, the dude is completing 77% of his passes so far this year. That is unreal. I mean, they are letting Geno cook in Seattle. So <laughs> let, let's just play the, this card the way it is. I mean, uh, hey, I'm riding Geno's streaming podcast. <laughs> this is a pro Geno podcast. Absolutely. Mostly because I, it's just he deserves the love that he gets right now. I mean, he, he's worked for all that right now. He's, he did it the right way. He kept his mouth shut the whole offseason. We know why. I mentioned this at the beginning of the season here during the offseason. This Seattle team, they love Geno Smith in the locker room. I said, when we're talking about who the quarterback was going to emerge, I said, I don't think it really matters how they play. I mean, this team just plays differently for Geno Smith. I mean, they just believe in him a little bit differently. Now, 
who's a quarterback that you're believing in here in week number five? I can't believe we're actually talking about Geno Smith and this next player, and then even another guy a little later as starting options week in and week out. In addition to being pro Geno Smith, I am pro Jared Goff. And I am pro Jared Goff against New England. A lot of people might be telling you, oh, no, you should sit him against New England. Mm, Don't do it. 26 completions, 376 yards, four touchdowns. Let's just put some respect on this man's name. Come on now. We're talking about him. Yeah. And those statistics in a game where I was legitimately worried about him. I like him as a streaming option, but I was worried when we're talking about no Amon Ross St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift, even no DJ Chark. It was kind of wild, but he absolutely went off against Seattle. Now, he has 11 touchdowns on the year, and he showcased that even without his most dynamic weapons, he can still be a top-tier streaming option. What I'm loving about him is that he is a solid floor around 15 fantasy points. So you don't have to worry about him just completely blinking you. And he has a ceiling upwards of 30 fantasy points. That is a fantastic combination. Something that you are wanting out of a streaming option. He can get you by, but he can also get you there in the right situation. So I'm into it. Um, You know, when you look at New England, they have a reputation for being a tough defense. They've actually allowed the ninth most fantasy points to quarterback. I'm not that off Jared Goff this week. And then we're talking about my sit of the week. Um, I'm going to make this a theme show. Uh, You guys will see as I go along. Uh, My sit of the week is going to be Matt Stafford versus Dallas. Again, I obviously talked about the LA Rams and that entire situation, so I don't have to go further into it. But we're talking about Dallas. This is a team, a secondary that loves to jump lanes and intercept passes. And I think they will do it against Matt Stafford, who is QB 22 and literally forced me into a um, untimely rebuild in one of my dynasty leagues. Thanks, Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins. Um, But this offense is a hot mess. Uh, Yeah. When you're, when your number two target is Tyler Higby, something went very sideways. You need to set him this week. I think Matthew Stafford's become a matchup based quarterback at this point. You watch that matchup that he's facing. If that team can put pressure on the quarterback, you put Matthew Stafford on your bench. We've seen teams like San Francisco, Dallas, they can get after the quarterback. Micah Parsons is as good as any guy at reaching the quarterback there. Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence. <laughs> it's not a good matchup for Matthew Stafford and what he's been able to do. But what is a good matchup is Carson Wentz against the Tennessee Titans. Yes, you could start Carson Wentz again this week. Wentz, Geno Smith, these are streaming-type options week in and week out. Geno Smith probably moving towards more of a start almost every other week now than some other quarterbacks, <coughs> Aaron Rodgers. Now, Carson Wentz, <laughs> even Matt Ryan, even Matt Ryan threw for 350 yards last week against this Titans team who's allowing 20.89 fantasy points per contest to this position here. And they've also allowed a league-high 10 touchdowns. So I feel good about Carson Wentz, even without Jahan Dotson this week. For my sit It's basically any quarterback at this point that's playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, which means Kyler Murray is sitting this week because this Eagles defense, the things they can do, it is unbelievable. The back end is matching the front end here. The secondary with that front four, they forced Trevor Lawrence into four fumbles last week. They're allowing only 10.11 fantasy points per contest to quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray just hasn't been that good this season. So a quarterback that struggles against a defense that's not struggling, I want to go with the side of the defense here, and I want to sit Kyler Murray this week. Hmm. Now, Major, I know you like to talk running back, so let's talk about some starts and sits at the running back. Really? Again this week? You're going to go that – okay, Major, it's, the, the, it's all hey. yours. The mic is yours. <laughs> hey, Tara. 
Hey, Tara, you know what time mm-hmm. it is? It's uh, Damien Harris time. Started to take over that New England backfield. Uh, doing it on the ground and through the air. The last two weeks, Stevenson has averaged 95 total uh, yards per game. At this point, Dre is still like touchdown dependent, and Detroit is one of the worst <laughs> rush defenses, giving up 10 rushing TDs on the season. That's worse than the league. Um, and also giving up 165 yards per game on the ground as well. So look for Ramondre to continue his quest of being the man of the century when it comes to playing running back in the NFL. Shout out to my other guy, Ramondre. My sit, J.K. Dobbins. Like, Dobbins, he's still working his way back uh, from that injury, uh, and it won't be easy. Cincinnati's only given up one rushing TD all season and only given up 65 rushing yards per game. So, you know, I don't see Dobbins really doing work. I think he had a good week last week. or uh, You had him on one of your stats, Matt. Did you have him on your stats? He had, like, 22 fantasy points or something. I, I thought I'd seen that, but I don't know. I think he's not all the way back yet, and I think Cincinnati is not playing around. They got to get back on track. So, look, look for them to play hard, and uh, Dobbins, to, he, wait another week for him to get ready. All right, fair enough. Now, Tara, who are you looking at here for your starts and sits of the running back position for week number five? Honestly, after I saw uh, Major do Ramondre, I really almost put in Damian Harris, and it's not even a knock. Um, you literally can just start both of them this week. That's how bad Detroit is. Like, just roll them both out. It'll be probably really good result Don't for starting what? both of them. No, it's serious. Like, they're a bad team. You can roll both of those running backs out against Detroit. Uh, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to go against you. I didn't. So I chose Alvin Kamara. Um, and this may seem like a reach to heavy start for a guy that is a top 10 uh, running back, but fantasy managers aren't feeling very positively about him. They're unsure about including him in their starting lineups. They're concerned about his injury situation, the quarterback situation, the team as a whole. Um, but if Alvin Kamara plays, you need to start him regardless of who is at quarterback. Seattle's defense is absolutely terrible. Um, and I suspect, and this is my opinion, uh, we talked about the late inactive and how <laughs> how untimely and fortunate that was for all of those West coasters that didn't wake up and didn't get him out of that starting lineup because of that news that they got at 4 a.m. in the morning that he was going to be out. I suspect that that happened because last week was less about him being too actually banged up to play and more about the fact that if he is kind of banged up, what's the point of actually rolling him out when they have no Jameis Winston, they have no Michael Thomas. They just opted to just go ahead and rather than push him forward, just give him another week to rest. So I think he's going to come back this week. I think he'll be fine. And he's someone that you need to start. My sit of the week, keeping on theme, we're going back to LA. You need to sit Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Oh my God. Until we get a clear and defined picture of who is actually in the lead in this backfield, we need to sit both of them if at all possible, unless you are desperate and need to include them into your starting lineups. Again, Rams are playing Dallas, strong defense. We just talked about that. And, you know, especially with Akers, he's not getting those targets. The targets are going to Daryl Henderson. So game script not being a very positive thing, uh, when they start to struggle and they need to push volume and they need to have a running back out there catching passes, Unfortunately, that's not going to Acres. So I think that's why last week we saw that snap count go down and it went dramatically up for Dale Henderson. And I don't 
know that they'll be able to really compete this week either because I think regardless of who's at quarterback, Dallas is just probably a stronger team than they are right now. So this is not a situation where you want to play either one of these guys, and I would be sitting both of them. Yeah, I'm not big on either one of them at this point either. I mean, this is I think it's more of indicative of the Rams offense as a whole, and especially that offensive line there. Yeah, they haven't replaced Andrew Whitworth there on the left tackle position. They let some guys go in the offseason that they probably shouldn't have. I mean, this offensive line is probably the worst in the league or right up there. Now, the running back that I'm starting this week is going to have a very Austin Eckler-type performance this week, and that's James Robinson against the Houston Texans. Hey, he had a down week against the Eagles last week. Major so kindly pointed that out earlier on in the show. (laughs) He now faces a Texans team that has allowed the most rushing yards this season, 564 on the ground, another 157 yards to backs in the receiving game, six total touchdowns in four games. All that has added up to 32.78 fantasy points per game. How bad is this this Houston Texans run defense? They allowed a running back who's been averaging 2.1 yards per carry this season, 4.6 last week. That's how bad the Houston Texans have been. Now, my sit of the week is coming off his best game of the season, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to save you the trouble and sit Christian McCaffrey against the San Francisco 49ers. Only the Chiefs have allowed fewer rushing yards this season than the 49ers have through four weeks. San Francisco was allowing just 16.06 fantasy points per game to the running back position, which is the second fewest in the league behind. I think it's the actual Los Angeles Rams in that category. So you've got a tough matchup there. you got a team that can get the pressure on. We've seen what San Francisco did to Matthew Stafford. They're going to be able to do something very similar to Baker Mayfield. I don't like how this game script is going to go. And we know those 49ers linebackers, they can get out there and move pretty well. So Christian McCaffrey is a sit for me this week. Karen, uh-huh. stop, you don't you even start wagging that finger at me. Go, you have a question? Hands I have up. a question? Yeah. Okay, Kara. Do you have any shares of Christian McCaffrey? I do. And it's painful. It's very, do very you, painful. Are you going to actually sit him this week? Do we, we, get, saying, we get the evidence. I will post the evidence. Oh, the spot. I want to see it. I will definitely. I'm interested to see how this plays out. This is not a challenge. I want to see. Sounds like a challenge. I want to see the commitment. You're right. It might be a little bit of a challenge. I I practice what I preach. I wouldn't have challenged him if he didn't make that entire speech about James Robinson, actually about Austin Eckler. So I felt like I had to like, no. (laughs) I told, I said he did good. He had 4.6 yards per carry last week. I gave him his credit there. No, that was a backhanded compliment. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it still was a compliment. It's almost as being as it's almost as being as complimentative here as having Tyreek Hill after he led the league in receiving yards last week as a must start here in week number five. But hey, that's where we are on the show, Major. The mic is yours once again. Yeah, I mean, some people may poo-poo on some things, but you know, it's not for the reason you may think. But with Tua being out with the quote-unquote back and neck issue, we all know what that really is. But Teddy B came in the game and targeted Hill 14 times. He covered that in a 10 receptions, 160 yards. But the reason I really like Hill is because he only uh what's his name? Uh Teddy B only targeted Waddle five times during that game. Um mm. And Miami will be facing a good young Jets defense. They're a top 15 pass defense. So look, 
look, look, look, look, look for them to have a pretty good game. Look, look for Hill to continue his uh love affair with Teddy B. Seems like each quarterback kind of like have people they like, and it seems like he's leaning more towards Hill. And then an easy one, like at this point, we can just like do this every week. But my say to DJ Moore, San Francisco defense is really good. And Moore is having a really bad season. And it's not really his fault. It's because of the quarterback play. Um, he's averaging 34 and a half receiving yards per game and only scored once all season. Um, and this would be a hard bounce back week. Like I said, the 49ers secondary is only giving up 189 passing yards per game to receivers. And that defense seems like they are ready and they're going to eat Baker Mayfield alive. There you go. I'm going to give Teddy, I'm going to give the Teddy his due here because I think he's going to be able to support both Waddle and Tyreek Hill in this offense, much like he did in Carolina a few years back when he was working with a couple wide receivers there that he gave. Uh, I think they were both top oh, so. 24 wide receivers. So it wasn't that long ago when he was able to support that. And yeah, DJ Moore, this is where we are with things. Now, Terry, bring us home. Bring Teddy back. Here. <laughs> bring Teddy back. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Carolina would really appreciate that right about now. Why they let him go? <laughs> Now, Tara, give me a start here because I like this. This is an interesting one. This is a little bit bold. It's a little out there. I mean, I thought one that people are maybe thinking about right off the get-go. So who's that wide receiver that you're starting this week? It is Robert Woods. The Washington defense is something that we traditionally think of as a strong defense. It's not. They've been struggling. They've been giving up the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. And we've got a kind of interesting combination that I think a lot of people wouldn't think would be a major deal. But in terms of opportunity on the field and target share, it is going to be a significant um, a significant thing for Robert Woods that'll bump him up a little bit. Traylon Burks is out. We know that 100%. Turf toe, he's not going to play this week. Kyle Phillips was out last week. Now, granted, he could play again this week, but it's up in the air. And the thing that it kind of boils down to is that while the Titans will aggressively rely on the run game they do have to throw the ball we know that about their offense that no matter how much volume they push through Derrick Henry they still do throw the ball and do it at a decent rate and that is going to benefit Robert Woods as now the official lead guy in this offense and he's been on an uptick um, every single week the snap count's been increasing the receptions and targets have been increasing he's been steadily increasing in fantasy points to the point where without Traylon Burks I think he's going to be a usable flex option. We saw that last week. So I think that this is something where we start to feel comfortable saying, hey, I'm going to put Robert Woods in as a, you know, a mid to low end flex option. So that is my start of the week. My set of the week, again, on theme, Allen Robinson. We don't have to talk about it a lot. You know, this should yeah. be obvious. Yeah. This should be obvious. It's a whole Rams, the coach and everything. Uh, you know, let's just make it clear. I don't want to hear any more start <laughs> sit questions. No more start sit questions. Am I starting Allen Robinson? You're not. The only question you can ask is, am I dropping Allen Robinson? I will accept those <laughs> questions. We're not starting him. Um, we're not starting him even in deep leagues. We are not rolling him out. This is sad. Yes, this is a full fade. I'm staying on theme. I really, really enjoy the Robert Woods comment here. One, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional by any stretch of anyone's imagination. But the wide receiver position, when it comes to turf toll, we're looking at about a three to four week period of recovery because the way you have to cut and you plant and you move off that foot there and go in and out of your breaks, it's a pain. It's more than just a pain yeah, management thing for like, Traylon Burks. It's yeah, rough it, on wide receivers in particular. It's, it's less of a worry. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> It hurts. <laughs> so I'm going to say he's going to be out for the next three to four weeks. And again, if people were watching this show back in May, there back in June, 
What we did you say, right? About Robert Woods. We okay. were preaching about Robert Woods from the get-go. And there was going to be a period, I know I mentioned this for a fact, that we're probably not going to expect Robert Woods to be Robert Woods until October because of his recovery from that ACL injury that he suffered, right. that surgery and everything. He's start, yeah. We're in October now. He might not be ready to gear up quite yet, but those, those days are coming. Tara mentioned that those snaps are starting to come. We're starting to see Robert Woods a little bit more and more. And if you want to get a guy on a waiver, he might even be on the waivers right now because if you're in shallow leagues, there were short benches, he's a guy that maybe you could kind of get on there right now or maybe even a trade target that someone can just throw into a trade. Hey, I'll give you A and B, but you just throw in Robert Woods just, just to kind of – you're going to have to cut somebody. You might as well just throw him in there. I mean, Robert Woods is kind of that guy to get thrown into trades because I think he is going to be a difference maker down the stretch here, especially in that Titans offense that truly doesn't have a number one, even if you're – think Traylon Burks is that number one I'm still not there yet yeah. now for me my starts and sits at the wide receiver position I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson versus Miami here I'm not entirely sure what to expect from this Jets offense here quite yet but we know Miami's corners they have not been as good as advertised here I'm looking at you Xavier Howard here mm. now I expect Teddy Bridgewater and the Dolphins to score and the Jets are going to need to play some catch-up to keep this game close Wilson, he did target – sorry, I guess I should be more clear. Zach Wilson did target Garrett Wilson six times there last week in Wilson, in Zach Wilson's return. Now, Miami, they have surrendered the fifth most yards to opposing receivers this season, 781 through the first four games, and the fifth most fantasy points per contest against there at 41.78. So there is opportunity for teams to put points up on this Miami secondary here, and I think Garrett Wilson – is going to be that guy. I think Elijah Moore is going to get in on the action too. I think this Jets offense is going to be a lot better than what we're giving him credit for, especially with Brees Hall taking those dump-ins and all that other fun stuff. So I think Zach Wilson can keep on going what Joe Flacco had previously built in this offense. Now, my sit of the week, this one actually hurts. This literally feels like sending one of my kids to timeout and forgetting (laughs) they're in the corner. I mean, that's what it really feels like. You send a kid to a timeout, it's like you forgot that they're in the corner. And they end up staying there a little bit longer than you want him to be in there. But Michael Pittman versus Denver. Now, Pittman, it's all about the matchups inside the matchups. He faces Patrick Sertain this week, who had as many breakups as he yielded receptions to Devontae Adams. He gave Adams four receptions from about 46 yards. He broke up four passes on those eight targets last week. We talked about that uh, passer rating around 67%. I mean, there are other options out there. Pittman, you may be forced that you have to – Put Pittman in your lineup. I get that. But there's some guys here that I would probably feel more comfortable. I'd feel more comfortable probably with Garrett Wilson starting over Michael Pittman in my lineups this week. And it's just because that matchup. I mean, I really don't like that matchup. Maybe perhaps uh, Frank Wright gets creative and can move Pittman around a little bit here and there. But we watched how Sertain shadowed Devontae Adams there. Maybe McDaniels just didn't feel like getting him those one-on-one matchups. Maybe he just didn't really care. But, I mean, that's a tough battle there. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. I love watching the cornerback wide receiver matchups there all week long. So I'm gearing in. I'm getting my popcorn ready for that. And I'm hoping, and I really do hope this ha- doesn't, I really hope that Tara's neck does not suffer sustainable damage there, the way she's tilting that off to the one side. Now, Tara, what do you got for me? You know I won, right? What, what are those? Where are those? Do- no, no, no. I'm, I'm genuinely confused on the Devontae Adams set. What about it? In the one on one, on the targets in which, um, the targets in which Michael, or sorry, the targets in which 
Patrick Satane was in coverage for against Devontae Adams. There was eight targets in that situation. It was four uh, completions, four, or I think it was four completions, four breakups. Like he actually defended, knocked the ball away altogether. So, I mean, it was a great battle, one-on-one, 46 yards. You know, that's where the right? passer rating comes into 67. I mean, passer rating is a weird evaluation. Nobody cares about that. We just care about I won that debate because Matt but, just confirmed it. But his overall numbers were nine receptions, 13 targets, 100 yards. That was yeah. on somebody Patrick, else. That, Ronald Darby factored into that as well. But I mean, if Patrick Sertain is going to be on, I mean, it's we, going to be tough. Right. But so if Patrick Sertain didn't 100% shut him down because he wasn't 100% on him, why would that be the case with Michael Pittman? Because I, I'm just saying it's something that people need to pay attention to because Patrick Sertain could be on Michael Pittman for a majority of this game unless Frank, Frank Reich does something to change that. And they are, don't, I don't believe they're going to have Jonathan Taylor to help alleviate some of that pressure. Now, the Vegas Raiders were running the crap out of uh, Josh Jacobs last week to the tune of 144 yards. So Sertain had to come in and help more on the run. And I left uh, someone else like Ronald Darby into coverage on, sorry, on Devontae Adams probably more often than they would have liked. Tara, stop I hear what you're saying, so but it yeah. does. I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't support Major's argument because, like, and on top of this, like, I'm feeling like it's destiny too. Because remember those statistics that I talked about in terms of Michael Pittman's like high ceiling game? Those are the same numbers for what Devonte Adams had last week: nine receptions, thirteen targets, over 100 yards. Oh my God! I think it's destiny. Yay, Michael Pittman! He's going to be awesome this week. Yeah. No worries. We're going to put that out to the Twitter vote there. We're going yeah. to get that out there and have your people get in on those votes, get majors people on those votes. That sounded, like, that sounded like some bots are coming through. Right. Like, man, let me borrow some of those. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a bot-free brawl. A bot-free brawl going down here. Or once. I, I'm going to lose the Twitter battle. I know I am because, like, the general public you don't is make all, sense. oh, yeah, Sutton, Cortland Sutton, we love him. But you know what? I'm going to win the real battle on the field, as I did last week. Mic drop. I if I have a mic, it could drop. Like Hedger bets. I, I, I like it. I'm not mad at you. You're good at it. <laughs> Nine receptions, what? 13 targets. Man, Devontae Adams had him. That was a good day right there. Except when he was in coverage against Patrick. And don't get me wrong, 46 yards. Hey, man, targets, if he was with him yards. 100% of the time. I and mean, he's a true number one receiver, which Michael Pitt. Man, he's a, no, he is not. a true one. I would argue that, no, I mean, Devontae Adams has far greater uh, talent to actually have to contend with. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. has literally no one else to compete with. There's Paris nobody Campbell's else. On that team. Mm, eh, is that a person anymore? I don't it's like, I mean, it's, 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 tight I think it's like a, it's a figment of major's imagination. Is Paris, Cam- is Paris Campbell real? Who are the tight ends? Nobody. We got Darren Waller over there with Devontae Adams. We're talking oh about. Absolutely. Talk we're talking about Mo Alley Cox over. We're talking about Mo Alley Cox. I like Alterra. I'm feeling good. This just confirmed and made me feel like a like a lot more comfortable with Michael Pittman Jr. I am starting him for sure. Yeah. That, All right. So, that, which tight ends are we feeling comfortable brain. starting here this week, Major? Let's get back on track here. Terry has to keep these arguments going. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. The way she, the way her brain works, is beautiful actually, but it's just wrong. It's, I just like the way it works though. It's right. But it's so let's right. Get into it. I'm, I'm gonna start Dallas Goldberg playing against Arizona. Arizona is like. The worst when it comes to defending tight ends. And Dallas having a pretty good season. Um, 16 receptions, 240 yards, and a TD. And like I said, they're giving up the second most fantasy points to tight ends on the season. So look look, look to um, Jalen Hurst to keep up the great play and, and hit his tight end a little bit more this week. And my sit is going to be Dalton Schultz uh, versus the Rams. You know, Terra just absolutely 
demolished the whole Rams offense. But the one thing they do got going for them is that defense over there. Um, and with, with Cooper at quarterback, it's uh, he's playing better than expected, but I don't think you really found a connection with Solch. I can't even talk anymore because I'm tired. Uh, uh, last week, Dalton had uh, three targets and didn't connect at all. But, you know, Dallas is facing that Rams defense that's only given up 24 0.5 yards to tight end. All right. Well, let's move on to Tara's starts and sits. Let's hope for that her start at the tight end position gets more than one snap this week. Oh. I got I got really sad for a second realizing that I didn't keep get to keep my theme of start uh tight ends against Raiders because I realized that you That's like why I obvi- didn't pick mine. I was you obviously have to. You have to. You would never not start the tight end that is playing the Raiders this week, so it doesn't matter. Yay. <laughs> so my start of the week this uh week is not who is playing the Raiders. That is an obvious one. It is Logan Thomas. I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the show, I believe, um, when we talked about Jahan Dotson, who was dealing with an injury. Um, Better times are coming for Logan Thomas. We have to remember, and Matt kind of mentioned this with Robert Woods as well, there are certain guys that we're kind of forgetting are coming off the significant injuries that they had in season last year. And they came back and they started the season, but things are progressing a little bit slower for them. We're seeing these guys with snap counts rising, targets rising, and Logan Thomas is one of those dudes. And it's heading in a positive direction. And the absence of Jahan Dotson is one of those things that's going to help pers- you know, push that along a little bit for him. So remember, this is a slow ramp up. His snap count is increasing. He's going to be coming back to full speed. And this is a fantastic matchup to feel comfortable putting him into your starting lineup against Tennessee. And finishing up on my fade the Rams theme, <laughs> do not start Tyler Higby. Uh, no, <laughs> you can start Tyler Higby if you want to, just because, I mean, obviously, oddly enough, he is the second most successful guy in that Rams offense, but I figured I'd put it on there. But um, I thought we'd just do a list of guys you have no business starting because as Major mentioned, you know, tight ends is just kind of uh, this year. Guys, you have no business starting. Hunter Henry, mm. Mike Asicki. And sadly, Dawson Knox, do not start these dudes, even with the potential of Isaiah McKenzie out, the loss of Jamison Crowder. I would still go with safer streaming options than Dawson Knox. These guys are just not a direction that you want to head. Are there any safer options, though? Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, Tyler Conklin is still pretty available on waivers. I don't understand why. Um, I mean, I, honestly, yeah, there are safer options on waivers. So you can feel a little bit more comfortable with it. I gotta go. <laughs> we gotta wrap this thing up, baby. Talk fast. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, first off, Tara mentioned you start tight ends against the Raiders. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a pretty good start this week. Now, <laughs> going through the top twelve kind of tight ends here right now, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Yeah, these are guys that we expected. Number one, number two, T.J. Hawkins and Zach Ertz. Tyler Higby at number five. Gerald Everett at number six. Pat Fairbooth at seven, Conklin at eight, Dallas Goddard at nine, Will Disley at number 10, Disley. David Nochoku at 11, 12 was the Darren Waller. You know what? Let's keep going. Let's get, get, get crazy here. 13, Moelle Cox, 14, Hayden Hurst, 15, Logan Thomas, who still only has one leg right now. I mean, <laughs> I love the Logan Thomas shout out there because with Johan Dotson, we talked about those four red zone looks, those four red zone touchdowns. Someone's going to get those this week. Why not Logan Thomas? Now, for me, my starts and sits, 
I like to get a little bit bold. Maybe, maybe I just want to speak this next one into existence here. Mm-hmm. Last week, the Chicago Bears, they finally got Darnell Mooney back on track to a degree, about 94 yards there. And now it's time for Cole Komet. This is for you, fantasy managers, right now. We're going to speak this into existence. It is time for Cole Komet to get things turned around as he faces a Vikings team that has given up the 10th most fantasy points this season to the tight ends. We just I just gave you the list of the top 15 tight ends in the league right now. It is ugly. I mean, that is where we're at with the tight end position, which really shouldn't surprise anybody because that's where we're at every single year. <laughs> and yet here we are pretending to be surprised by it once again for like the third or fourth straight year. It is what it is at this point. Good luck. If you don't get Andrews, if you don't get Kelsey in your drafts, I don't know what to tell you. Just pass on until the 12th, 13th round or whatever you got to do. <laughs> right. Now, Gerald Everett. one of those guys in that top 10 that I'm sitting this week is actually going to be Pat Frermuth against Buffalo. Kenny Pickett's coming in there. We know the tight ends and quarterbacks, they seem to have this connection there, especially with rookie quarterbacks. But this is also a very good Buffalo defense when it comes to defending tight end position. First off, it's like a rule. You, you start tight ends against the Raiders. You do not start them against the Buffalo Bills. It's just something you don't do. Even Mark Andrews last week, there's a reason why he's agitated. And it's not about going for the touchdown instead of the field goal. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But Andrews was limited to two catches for just 15 yards against this Buffalo team in the rain. Buffalo has allowed just 101 receiving yards and just 5.5 fantasy points per game to tight end position here through the first four weeks. That's a stat that I am totally in on and i'm totally avoiding pat fairmouth this week i get it who are you going to start in his place i don't know maybe will disley may be a better option this week because geno smith likes his tight ends how about Jawan johnson there in, in new Orleans? <laughs> if you want a deep sleeper to start this week Jawan johnson there is going against the seattle seahawks defense that gives it up to the tight end position and he's not a natural tight end he's a wide receiver came out of penn state he can lay out and make some plays so Maybe these are guys I trust a little bit more than Pat Fairbooth, but I just don't trust people against Buffalo Bills defense. It's just one of those rules out there. With that all said, there's another golden rule that you need to be following, and that is heading over to FantasyPoints.com using promo code 22VIPERS10 and getting 10% off to score more in fantasy football. Hey, this is the time to make a push. I don't care if you're 4-0 or 0-4. You still have a shot at making the playoffs, and once you get in that dance, Anything can happen. So even if you're owned for, head to Fantasy Points, get that subscription. Now's a good time as any. There is all kinds of information there that's going to help you win now. And that's what we're all about here. We're here to help you win now. So for Major, for Tara, I'm Matt Donnelly. And this has been another episode of the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast presented to you by the Fantasy Points Media Group. We will see you next week.